0: Episode number 23 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Well, can reading really help you find your next great beginning? Well, we're going to try to answer that question in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 23 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. This is where we talk about what's next in life. Armin Asadi and I always like to ask the question, What do I want to be when I grow up? Is that right, Armin? Absolutely. I ask that every day now, thanks to you. <laughs> We're here to help you discover your next great beginning. We hope that you're also asking that question: What do I want to be when I grow up? Hmm. I like how you get that. You hit that high note every time, what you I, ask. What do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> yeah. You go Mickey Mouse I, on yeah, it. I kind of go Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I go back to being eleven. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> well, you know, we like to try to have some fun here and. Uh, poke fun at each other. I think Carmine pokes fun, <laughs> pokes fun at me more often. <laughs> but but uh, you know, you'll get yours here in a little bit. <laughs> oh, I, do. I do. It's a generational curse. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about reading today. You know, before you switch us off, this we're we're heading back to the fundamentals: a uh, reading, writing, and we're going to ignore arithmetic because we're never, never really very good about that. But this episode is going to be on reading, and you'll find the show notes for this episode at reinventureme three, because it is episode. 23. That's right.
1: I think we should jump right into the inspiration before we lose someone. All right. So we're going to start with our Inspire Me segment. And this is a quote by the one and only Mark Twain. He said, a person who won't read has no advantage over one who can't read. I'll read that one more time because I love this quote. I'll never forget it. A person who won't read has no advantage over one who can't read. Wow.
0: If there's a quote that is... I don't know if that's inspiring or convicting. Yeah, Maybe would, we should have a Convict Me segment. Convict Me segment. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. I got me to read quick. <laughs> well, you know, it's one thing to talk about illiteracy in our country, mm-hmm. and yet when we look inside and how much... We don't even have to look inside. We can just say, what was the last thing I read? Mm-hmm. I used to get together with a friend of mine... And when we get together, he would always ask, well, tell me, Larry, about the last book you've read or what you've learned from the last book you've read. And I knew that when I got together with him, he was going to ask that question. And there were times when I didn't want to get together with him because I didn't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. But it was always fun when I did because he'd have something that he had in his own storehouse of of knowledge that he pulled out. and And it was always fascinating. And it was interesting when I get with people who are, strong readers, and they start talking about what they read, invariably, I'll write down a book that I need to read. Hmm. In fact, I had lunch just yesterday with one of my mentors, and I was telling him about what I'm working on and some of the things that I'm thinking about, and he says, that's great. Have you read this book that he was referring to? And I said, hmm. no, I never even heard of it. Yeah. Know, he goes, well, I have like 15 copies in my office. I'm going to give you one. So I hmm. drove to his office, picked up a copy, and I have it now on my must-read list because... He read it hmm. and uh, and really felt that it would apply to what I'm working on. Sounds like this experience
1: I have with this Larry Gates guy.
0: It's, yeah, it's I, don't, I don't know what you're talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have talked in the past, Armin, about the power of your network and mm-hmm. taking to things. But one of the things that a, the powerful network can do is also hear what you're wrestling with or thinking about and tie you into other thinkers that have written books. Right that can help you sharpen your thinking about it. Or expand it. Expand it, sharpen evolve it. Evolve it, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And he did that for me in in my lunch conversation. Now, I, I have yet to read the book. And you know there are so many. Yeah. There are so many books out there that aren't worth reading.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I there, There's books that I start and I just realize I'm reading more filler content than something that will actually help me and I get so bored so quick.
0: Well, I wonder if a lot of us don't read because... Well, a we don't feel like we have time to read, and mm-hmm. when we do take the time to read something, it's like where's the beef? Yeah, you know, because we are uh, the publishing industry, like it or not, is uh, is, is an industry that they have to make money, and so they have to c- continue to pump out content. Yeah, and sometimes that content isn't quite so good.
1: And just just, to, just I'm I'm going to give you a piece of generational knowledge right here. Ready? All right, on me. So anytime you use the word beef. In my generation, that means conflict. So,
0: oh, yeah. Good point. I yeah. just,
1: just want to clarify
0: by Larry, meaning meat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Where's, where's the meat? Where's the substance? I'm just kidding. I'm messing with Well, you. I'm glad because, you know... <laughs> That was really a sick comment of you uh, for you to make. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that was a fail bomb. It was. <laughs> it was. Okay, so we got the generation problem going here. But I never understood how sick became awesome. You oh, know? my gosh. That's so sick. Oh, really? That's no, a bad it, thing. Just let it go, Larry. Just right, let it go. I'll let it go. <laughs> sick <laughs> is not used. I'm, 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 I'm flaming here pretty quick, huh?
1: <laughs> But I, I feel like if anything about reading is it's becoming a lost art. And, and I think my, to my generation more than anything else, I think it's becoming a lost art just because we have become the audio-video generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've told me some statistics on Facebook, YouTube, and all this stuff that mm-hmm. blew me away.
0: Yeah, there are 700 billion minutes that people spend every month on Facebook. 700 billion minutes. And do you know how many people are on Facebook every month? I I don't even want to know, I guess. One billion. That's insane. There are seven billion people on our planet. Wow. And there are one billion of them on Facebook every month. I mean, if you think about it, there's probably two billion people who
1: have no access to computers. So you really have the quarter of the world's population that has
0: access to computers that's on Facebook. Yeah. it's 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 a phenom. Wow. Now go to Google and you can find the stats about YouTube. Hmm. You mentioned video. There are more than 1 billion unique users that visit YouTube every month. Oh my gosh. So the same as Facebook, but there are over 6 billion hours of video that's watched each month on YouTube. Hmm. 6 billion hours. Yeah. I completely believe that. That's an hour for every person on earth. Almost on a daily basis. On a monthly basis. Oh, okay. Yeah. And 100 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. I mean, it boggles the imagination, doesn't it? And to your point, I mean, I think in many ways it is a lost art, not just for your generation, but I think for all of us. Mm -hmm. Because there is something very glamorous or maybe attractive, is a better word, about the instantness of a Facebook post or a Twitter post or a a YouTube video, especially something that can be consumed in 140 characters or two and a half minutes or whatever it is, something that has that quick consumption and share kind of velocity to it. Right.
1: I mean, we're becoming an ADD generation. We are. Because we need... Something quick, easy, fun, entertaining, even information needs to be entertaining, it needs to be infotainment. Yes, and then we need a
0: commercial break in
1: between the infotainment.
0: And we judge the value of information not on how it transforms our thinking, but on how many shares it gets, right? Right, it's a popularity thing now, right? And uh, books didn't have that same kind of thing. I mean, Mm. if it was a share. It was a share over a conversation. Hey, this author has this idea, and I think it's a cool idea. I'm sharing it with you. Right. It's not the same as as a share that we see today. Right. Well, I want to make the point, and I think this is part of our discussion here, our, our thesis, is that if we're going to find our next great beginning, we need to intentionally practice that lost art of reading. Mm-hmm. And I know that you might be sitting there thinking that – uh You know, it's been a long time, i sure. I love to read on vacation. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll take my book, I'll read on vacation. That's when I get to consume things. Because for many knowledge workers, you spend all your day reading emails. You might even spend a lot of your time reading Facebook posts or Twitter posts or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But it isn't the kind of saturated, linear reading that you need to take in order to really sharpen your thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about some of those benefits of, of reading, especially if you are asking, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yep. Reading can be a terrific way for you to get some of those answers. Now, the first benefit that I want to talk about is that reading intentionally slows us down to think. It It helps us reduce our stress, and it's a great way to reduce distractions. Because when you read something, if you stay at it, long enough, right? You start getting into the narrative of the story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, that doesn't matter. You have to track with what the author is writing. Mm -hmm. And presumably you're going to be reading something that's enjoyable, so you're tracking along with that. And when you do, you start to quiet all the other anxieties that might be going on within you. And health experts will tell you that when you read, you reduce your stress, and it has great health effects. Uh, Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourself to Death. And I just had a tremendous number of quotes that I pulled out from that book. Hmm. See, to me, that's my view of a good book is when I pull a lot of quotes out from yeah. my reading. And this was one of those that had quite a bit. But he says that when you read, it forces the brain to rational thinking. This is how he put it. To engage the written word means to follow a line of thought which requires considerable powers of classifying, inference-making, and reasoning. It means to uncover lies, confusions, and overgeneralizations, to detect abuses of logic and common sense. It also means to weigh ideas, to compare and contrast assertions, and to connect one generalization to another. In other words, when you are reading, you are judging what you are reading, and you are making connections with your own experiences and your own knowledge which in many ways you do not make in the same way when it's a fly-by piece of data.
1: Yeah, you know, there was um, in 2009, the University of Sussex actually did a uh, study, Mm. and they said picking up a book could be one of the most effective strategies for calming down, and especially when life is just getting overwhelming. So they said that it's actually great for both mental and physiological reasons. The University of Minnesota even chimed in, and they built on these findings, and they recommended reading for uh, for some form of literature for at least a half an hour every day for optimum relaxation. So they're, they're literally using scientific research and empirical evidence and saying, if you want to apply something that will bring you from a point of being overwhelmed to a point of relaxing, they're putting reading up there with equivalent, maybe a little bit less than physical exercise.
0: Yeah. And if you read while you're exercising, like I often do when I'm on the treadmill or I use an elliptical, that's a double win. I don't do that. You have to one-up. I'm just
1: kidding. (laughs) Trying to save some time. It's an efficiency (laughs) thing. I get
0: it. I get it. So the first benefit we want to suggest to you by reading is that it reduces stress. You probably already figured that out in your own life when you've spent some time reading. You go, finally, I can get a book to read. You know, until... Either the kids call you for something or something else comes up that distracts you from it. You do get the benefit. It's not only a psychological benefit, but it's also a real health benefit that you get by doing so. Secondly, reading connects ideas, and it allows you to see connections, and it starts to tune your brain. So as you're thinking about something, you start to see it around you. You ever notice when you like buy a new car or you buy uh, a new pair of shoes or something else, you're starting to notice everybody else has the same car as you, or you start to see it more often. You start to see the shoes that you bought on other people and, or at least you're starting to pay attention to it. And and it's because your mind is attuned to what you're thinking about. Hmm. I walked into a shoe store uh, a year or so ago and I asked the shoe salesman, when you look at people coming into the store, what's the first thing you look at? And she said, their feet. I look at what they're wearing. Well, that's because she works with shoes all day long. So her brain right. naturally doesn't go to their eyes or any other part of their... They just, like, what are they wearing hmm. for the, on their feet? Interesting. And if you condition yourself around what you're thinking about, you start to see it in places. So when you start to read in your area of interest... You start to pick up other pieces that can come in and fill the gap, and you start to see it around you. So you sensitize your thinking and really your awareness to the things that are around you when you're reading like that. Yeah,
1: what I like about that is that it really does help. Some people are really good at seeing point A. Some people are really good at seeing point C. Um, Some are good at seeing point A and point C or the beginning and the end. But there's a lot of people that struggle with the in-between, you know? Mm -hmm. And if there's something out there that can help you connect the dots, take you from A to B to C to D, and it's something as simple as reading for half an hour a day or an hour a day.
0: Yeah. Steve Johnson wrote a book called Where Good Ideas Come From. It's it's worth a read. (laughs) He says, Reading remains an unsurpassed vehicle for the transmission of new ideas and perspectives. Mm -hmm. That there is not anything that will get new ideas into your brain better than reading. Mm-hmm. And he talks about what, what he refers to as liquid networks. Hmm. And your brain forms connections between ideas. So you might even be reading different books, like you might read a book on habits, and then you might read a book on cooking or on sports, and you find, oh, there's a way to connect these things together right. that you wouldn't have thought of before. So your brain starts to create these these connections and the interconnections. And so when you read widely... You yep. also benefit from that.
1: I mean, it's how some of the greatest inventors came up with some of the greatest inventions is taking something from one person and another person and then...
0: Right. Voila. Right. That's it. It wasn't like it was not out there before. Right. It was there in various pieces and they synthesized it. Exactly. And pulled it together. Right on. Yeah. So your next great beginning could already be on your bookshelf. hmm You just need to pull a book off and start reading. Mm-hmm. Third thing is it provides a levy against other unproductive uses of time. When you're reading, you can't be doing other things that are less effective, like watching television. I guess there are some people that try to do both, read and watch television, but you're probably not accomplishing uh, very much of either, and certainly probably not getting much about your reading if you do that. But research has shown that reading connects more firmly to our brain-stored information. The way we store things... When we read something, we because the way we have to process the words like we talked about a little bit ago, it increases our learning more than if we were to watch TV, because TV itself is more concrete. You do not have to be as imaginative to watch a video or television or a movie. It's presented as the director sees it. Mm-hmm. You have it right there. With a book, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, you have to be more imaginative, is less concrete, And the way it ties that information to your brain has more stickiness. Mm -hmm. So you're more likely to remember it because you're building the constructs for how you put it into memory. Mm -hmm. Whereas video, you don't have to build any of those constructs. It's already presented as a piece of information that's fully formed. In reading, you have to build that construct. And as a result, your ability to learn and recall is, is much higher.
1: And what I gather from talking to a lot of people it's including myself it's not other people it's me too TV or shows or movies a lot of times it's used um as a numbing process. It's yes. you're tired, you're exhausted, oh, yeah. you come home, you don't want to talk, you don't want to read, you don't want to work, you just want to numb and relax. So you say, "Oh, I know." Turn the on button, watch the TV, go numb for an hour and somehow think that's rejuvenating you. But the reality is a lot of times you think TV is going to give you something. You're going to benefit from it somehow. And by the end of that TV show or that movie, you walk away not really benefiting anything. But every time you walk away from reading, you benefit. You tangibly feel like you made progress in life. You gained something mentally. You. Uh, feel better, there's a tangible difference, there's a tangible benefit, Yeah, I, but you I never agree. get that from TV though.
0: Well, the time I do get a benefit from television is when I sit there long enough to fall asleep, and then the benefit I get is the rest that, I, that I, comes I, from being knocked I, out yep. by the by the noise. That's how I fall asleep. It's sad. <laughs> you know, on Sunday afternoon, it's really nice to put on golf because they're so quiet and oh, so gosh. polite. And it's like, you can just fall asleep. To yeah. It. It, that is what golf
1: on TV is for. <laughs>
0: Sleeping strategies. Or, or if you're in the UK, you can watch darts. I <laughs> really watch darts uh, yeah, on TV? They have, t- they have darts on television. Oh, That'll lost. put you to sleep, sleep as well. So the, the third benefit was that it provides a levy against other unproductive uses of time. Clearly, by reading, you're going to not do something that's less productive than that. Fourth is, basically, it awakens your interest. This is a very simple one, but the more you read, the more you start to discover what's fun to read. And hopefully, you're not reading as a chore, you're reading as pleasure. So when you find the things that you enjoy reading, the topics that you're reading about, it points to something. I can look at the books that I've read over the last few years, and they are a breadcrumb to my current interests. If you could just look at my shelf, you'll say, yeah, I can see why he's talking about all the stuff he's talking about, because he's been taking in information from all these sources. So it's fun uh, to me. I-, I think it's a bad thing that we don't have many brick and mortar bookstores anymore. Yeah, It's harder really to to browse Amazon than it is Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. There's something about going into Barnes and Noble and sitting in front of a section and just sitting there looking at the physical copies mm-hmm. doing it on the screen to me doesn't have the same effect now maybe it's just a generation thing i'm starting to be an old guy and i don't yeah. like the old-fashioned stuff but i think that that we can really learn a lot especially going into a magazine section where there's so many different specialty magazines mm-hmm. you can learn a lot about your own interests by saying oh that's kind of interesting yeah you know you start i didn't realize i was interested in tin shaping, you know, or <laughs> or race cars or whatever sure. it is. Uh, you can find lots of, lots of interesting things just by browsing and finding ways for it to awaken your interest. Mm-hmm. So awakening your interest, that's a very simple one. It also provides a common vocabulary for understanding. Now, when I talk about a book with a friend, oftentimes the author is introducing concepts and words that when someone else that I know has read it, I can say, you know, yeah, hey, this is what's happened, and I can describe his terminology, and they know what I mean by it. When you, when you have a new vocabulary, it helps you think too about how you might frame up what your next great beginnings about. Lastly, it helps you avoid mistakes. You know, on, honestly, reading is one of those things where when you read a book that's well written, especially a nonfiction book that's well written, one that's transparent. The author should be fairly forthcoming with the kinds of learning that they came through and the mistakes that they may have made. And you can benefit from that because you can't possibly live long enough to make all the mistakes that everyone else has made. Of course, Will Rogers, the humorist, once said, there are three kinds of men, ones that learn by reading, a few that learn by observation, and the rest of them have to pee on an electric fence to find out for themselves. I
1: think I'm the third guy. (laughs) You
0: know, we all all have a little bit of that. Uh, So, Armin, how do we go about and cultivate this habit of reading? What are some thoughts there?
1: Well, I'm glad you're asking me because I I feel like in my generation, one of our biggest issues is making a habit of it. I don't think any of us would ever argue that there's a lot of benefits to reading. It's just how do we make it a uh, regular lifestyle habit for us to read? And I would say one of the biggest issues with that is is we always get books pushed to us that are more self help or leadership or uh, business books, and they 're good. the information is phenomenal they can be they can give you paradigm shifts and change your lifestyle but the the issue with a lot of those books is they 're so boring, yeah, you know, and I think for a lot of us, we put the information of the book above reading itself. And I think if there is... What do you mean a w- by that? Um, I think we put a greater value on the information in the book rather than putting the value on reading itself. And I think if we can put a greater value on reading and until we make it a habit that we don't sit there and constantly try to read books for the sake of their information. Ooh. So... That's good.
0: I want to ask you a question. Sure. That made me think of something. I have met a lot of people who say, I give the author one or two chapters to make their case. And if they haven't made their case in the first couple chapters, I don't read the rest of the book. Right? What do you think about that? Um, it really depends on the
1: subject. A lot of times you're just taking too much time to just get to the point. But sometimes you have to build a case before you go into mm-hmm. it. So I mean, it really depends on the subject that the author is covering. Uh, sometimes I think two chapters and you're still not into it, you're wasting time. Yeah, I
0: certainly understand that perspective, and one guy that I talked to is an author of over six million copies of a book, believes that. He says, you know what, if you can't capture me in the first two chapters, and a lot of publishers will probably say this as well, that if you can't capture the reader in the first two chapters, they won't give you the benefit of the doubt to the Mm -hmm. end. But I can't tell you how many books I haven't enjoyed the first two chapters or didn't find anything new there, but it's like chapter six that was really, really good. Right. And I wonder about all that lost... I mean, how can we set the expectation of an author to basically know what's going to be important to every possible reader and have it stuck in the first two chapters? Right. Uh, That's a tall order. Yeah. And I've tried to write some myself, so I know... That tension exists. So what I do when I don't find something in the early going of a book that I think, okay, this is going to be, I start to read faster. Mm -hmm. I start skimming or skittering to get content quickly to understand what are they're writing about. But I do not, rarely, not finish a book. Hmm. If it piqued my interest enough to take it and start it, then I give the author the benefit of the doubt, as you said, to make their case. Right. And it also back to the point I think we were making earlier, the point in the the point you were making just a minute ago, which made me think of that question, was that we sometimes place the content that we get at a higher premium than the discipline that we get in when we read and the way it causes us to have to reflect on what we're reading, yeah, which means the other corollary to that is that we don't read things we don't agree with,
1: yeah which is which I don't think is a great idea but I think if if you don't agree with it you should read about it anyway just it reinforces why you don't agree with it or it helps you fully understand something that you disagree with so that if the conversation ever comes up you have an informed opinion right
0: which is very tough for my generation yeah so what do you think is the biggest if if you're not a regular reader, are you a regular reader? Do you read regularly? Um, I I try to. Uh,
1: right now, the season I'm in, I, to be frank, no. I uh, every every time I've read so far, it's it's been business related. It hasn't been. I still end up reading a lot, but it's not for the sake of reading. Mm-hmm. It's reading because my the business that I'm managing or running is putting me in a position where I have to do a lot
0: of reading. Yeah. So, what would be some tips then to inspire? guys like you to pick up the book and and read it yep so
1: i'm really giving this advice to myself and i really need to take this advice because i have really struggled with it for the past month and a half so um here's what i'm trying to do moving forward i'm actually trying to set times apart where even if it's small windows of time where i'm reading strictly for the sake of reading Mm -hmm. for my own pleasure let me actually step back and say, I think the number one thing, if anyone is uh, struggling with creating a habit of reading, stop reading things that you're not interested in.
0: Yeah, I'm into that.
1: Right? Yeah. I don't care There's how much. There's
0: plenty of terrific stuff that can pique your interest, even if you don't agree with it. Yep.
1: Yeah, I don't care about how, how much self-help you need. I don't care how much leadership lessons you need. I don't. I don't care about any of that stuff pick up a book that you know that you're genuinely interested in the topic and you can't wait. Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's nonfiction. Maybe it's fiction. Maybe you're reading about, space galactic starships i have no idea but pick up how did you know i don't know i'm just guessing (laughs) but pick up something that you actually it forces you to use your imagination it makes you read the first page and you can't stop until you see what happens and you keep going because you need to see the end that's a great way for you to even get into the habit of reading Is you look forward to reading it's Mm -hmm. not it's not a chore but it's a pleasurable thing for you to do. And I think that's something, especially my generation, we struggle with because we always go to self-help, self-growth, business growth, whatever. Um, the second thing being setting times, just set them aside a few minutes. Another thing I'm always doing is I'm packing my bag with books. Oh. So at any given point, I have a book that I can go right into my bag, grab it. Hey, I got 10 minutes. I'm going to read this book.
0: Uh, do you don't have an e-book reader or?
1: uh I know, I should. (laughs) I I can't read on my phone, though. Mm -hmm.
0: I I hate reading on my phone. Well, I have an iPad, and I find that I prefer reading a paper book over an iPad. Uh, Yeah. I don't know why, I just there's something about having the physical book. Even though I don't like having to carry books when I travel, I'll usually carry about four books when I travel, and it adds weight yeah uh, but I'm still the old-fashioned guy even though I have yep. 15 books on my iPad I yeah. always turn to a physical book first I
1: need it i I, I want to be able to underline circle put notes i, I just need and I don't want to highlight it with my finger like i, I want to ta- i want to physically write on it and yeah. and it gives me and it helps me learn faster about what I'm learning out of it and uh, there is one last thing I'm going to say and I could give away more um but keep a log and we're we're going to give you a resource in a little bit here that helps you keep a track of the books that you've read, you want to read, your friends are reading and that kind of stuff just so you can keep up with all that Yeah, well, going let's mention that
0: right now. It's Good Reads. Okay. Yeah. It is a is a terrific website where yep. you can keep track of the books you're reading, you can see what other people are reading, you can take quotes from books and put them out there, get reviews. Mm-hmm. Um terrific site for that.
1: It's ba- it's basically Netflix Four books. Four books. Yeah. And so you'll get the same time kind of the recommendation. Except you can't
0: get the book. You just yeah, <laughs> you just get the recommendation. Yeah, it's
1: like so. an accountability tool for you for the most part. Exactly. So,
0: now uh, a terrific book to read uh, is a classic by Mortimer Adler called "How to Read a Book." Now, seriously, that's the title of it, and it's a fairly thick book. But he talks about how you go about reading various kinds of literature, and the appendix of this book is worth buying the book in itself, because he lists all of the books that you should really read in order to have a well-rounded education, classical literature, and other kinds of things. Hmm. Uh, And just the the bibliography is just terrific. And I read this book a long time ago. I was really quite surprised when somebody said, oh, you should read how to read a book. I'm like, well, isn't that kind of ironic? If you're reading the book, don't you know how to read the book? But he actually has quite a lot of useful stuff in there. Hmm. Well, we're going to go into the Challenge Me segment. And it's very simply this. Armin mentioned going out to Goodreads and, and logging what you're doing, but there's a very simple way to do that same sort of thing that's in your face every day. In your office or at home or someplace where you are there and you see it, clear a shelf. I mean, from the far left to the far right, Nothing on it. No knickknacks, nothing. Make it look like it's begging to have something put on it. Mm -hmm. Now, don't go putting your pile of stuff that you need to get to or your inbox from work, but put every book that you start reading. You'll do one, and it'll sit there and be all alone by itself Begging for a companion. Yep. You know, <laughs> I did this one year when I had slipped on my reading. I tried to read a book a week, and I found that I had really fallen down. I I wasn't even doing a book a month, hmm. and I decided I'm gonna try to do something. This friend of mine who uh, I mentioned earlier reads a lot. We ended up talking about it. He says, you know, just clear a shelf. Just hmm. make it totally clear. And as you read, put your book. so it's your own kind of reward. You go, I'm going to see how many books I can cram on that shelf, and it's a visible reminder that that book that's standing by itself or not there at all is kind of beckoning you to go give it a companion. So that's a one thing you can do with your challenge. Me you just clear a shelf. It's good and start your read. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd love for you to leave us a review on Stitcher or on iTunes. At reinventure.me/slash Stitcher or reinventure.me/slash iTunes. Certainly help us out by telling your friends about reinventure me, and we'd love to receive your question or comment on the show at our website or by calling 612-314-5447. Of course, we're on Facebook at facebook.com/slash reinventure And I know that Armin himself will personally respond to your email or your Facebook request or your phone call. Right, Armin? Right. All right. So we want to just thank you again for being part of this episode. And we wish you a great week. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.